Hey, everyone. This podcast is part of Story Mode, the podcast network of Gamefully Unemployed. You can support us and gain access to other great exclusive podcasts like Tom and Jeff Watch Batman by heading over to patreon.com slash Gamefully Unemployed. That's patreon.com slash G-A-M-E-F-U-L-L-Y Unemployed, which is spelled like it sounds. Halbkasten mit Tom Reimann an David Bell. Welcome to another episode of Hype Hypecast, the show where we get hype about stuff and things. Oh, nailed it. Nailed it. I'm one of your hosts, David Bell. I'm swinging in to say hello. My name's Michael Swaim. Oh, Michael, thank you so much of for course, being on. Of course, my pleasure. Guest co-host. We had, we had Abe. Last time we're getting we're getting all them beans, all them delicious beans. Guest goes. Uh, yeah, thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Much appreciated. Uh, how you been? What have you been up to? Well, I'm the new Tom by Transitive Property because Abe was the new Tom and I'm the new Abe, so I'm doing goddamn fantastic. Yeah, you're just As you're just Tom like usually is. Yeah, you 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 keep you're like uh, envel you're like engulfing them with your energy and you're taking them over right yeah that's right yeah they are no more <laughs> so i'm doing all right by that by any standard really how are you yeah doing? i'm okay i've been working all day on writing so mm-hmm. i'm i've been in one of those like writing holes you know where like you've been where you're honed in on a script for like six plus hours and I just like took a shower and I, I'm like uh just sort of been knocked out of that hole. So I'm I'm a little I'm a little off. I'm a little weird. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think I'm also a little weird because I have the opposite situation where I have a million different things that are in different stages. Some writing, some pre production, some editing. And I had to attend to like nine different things today. Oh. So it was like nonstop getting jerked around to different universes. Right, juggling. Yeah, like recording uh, Dylan Seaton as like a, a gruff Cockney guy for a medieval thing, and then suddenly talking to German investors about branding opportunities for Gamescom, the big video, like real right. um, content whiplash today. So right. we'll be weird. And now I'm jerking we'll you into here. We'll be weird together. Yeah. Yeah, let's be weird together. And um. I guess let's start by uh, going through these producers. Let's do the producer producer dance. All right. right. Yeah. Can I start? Uh, you want to you do... Normally, Tom does the second half and I do the first. But let's so make if, it weird, Dave. Let's weird okay. it up. Okay. Okay. You, you do the first. You do the first. I'll do the second. All right. Mainly because I already thought of a bit for the first one. So I'm kind of locked into it's too late. Um, just to make it weird. Just to be weird. Uh, let's turn them all into Epic Slams. So thank you, Dork Garby, Epic Slam. Thank you, Screaming Horse 
Wow, I can't even do two in a row, Dave. <laughs> this is a pathetic attempt at weirdness. Thank you, Screaming Horse Pyramid. Only Dork Thank Darby you. gets an insult to everyone else. Sorry, sorry, Dork Darby. No, don't apologize to Dork. Um, thank you, Del Griffith, the shower curtain fella. Thank you to Lef. Thank you. Thank you, Seismic Charge Noise. Bwam. Nice, nice. Thanks, Jake. Thank you. Thank you, Pneumon Ultra Microscopic Cilio Volcanosis Jones. Nice. You like to take that one. That's why you wanted the first block, right? Because Tom doesn't want to do that bullshit. Um, well, actually, the way we have this organized is just that Tom always does the second half. And these come in, I always arrange them by just like whatever's new. So that'll eventually make its way down to Tom. Oh, okay. It'll yeah. like, yeah, all right. Because I was thinking of quitting patronizing you guys and then repatronizing you as flossy nasi nihilopilification smith <laughs> but now i can just say the joke once and it can be dead oh yeah dead like the baby from eraserhead hey thanks baby from nice, eraserhead thank you supporting gamefully unemployed chiz lily tits parenthetical rhymes with jizz and parenthetical thank you yeah Keeping it Thank weird. You. Keeping it weird with our good buddy, <laughs> these seven bees. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you, these seven bees. Thank you, Breezy Ruizy. Mm. And last but not least in this first section of thank yous. Thank you, Davy Francis for colon, the revenge of the, the revenge. colon. Yeah. The revenge of the colon. Yep. Uh, I would also like to thank MV. B, thank you very much. Thank you to Chester's Prophet. Uh, thank you to definitely, definitely not Guillermo del Toro. Good to know. Uh, thank you to Brian, who Tom knows. Thank you, Brian. Glad you know Tom. Thank you to Bob Grenville. Thank you. Thank you to Stephen. Uh, thank you to Down Home Chicken. Pacock! Thank you to Han Toomey, the confused cyborg. Thank you to Asking Seven. Thank you to Hey, fuck you. I'm Happy Ed. Uh, thank you to Tom and Dave, our good writers. Follow them at Collider and some more news. Thank you. Thank you for that plug. Uh, thank you to Tiger Drawers Pratt Thompson. Raindrops keep falling on my head. Thank you very much. I mm. sung it. I did mm -hmm. it. I did it, motherfucker. Thank you to Dan Hackroyd. Thank you very much. We did it. We did the first round of producer thank yous. And my private and in joke of all constantly insulting Doc Garby, one of our dearest, dearest supporters, <laughs> oh, is, is that a now, running thing? now takes place over multiple podcast networks. So I'm happy That's about amazing. that. That's amazing. Wow. Congratulations. Yeah. That's like a, it's like an achievement unlocked or something. Uh, it's the bad you, it's the bad fan art. He brings it on himself. <laughs> you asked for this, Doc. Mm -hmm. Remember that. Uh let's talk about trailers. Sure, speaking of bad fan art, this first trailer <laughs> in a way. <laughs> oh, that was beautiful. This is the trailer for Ghostbusters Afterlife. I mean, he is the son. Yeah, of, that's true. He is Jason Reitman, uh mm. director of uh Labor Day. Wow. That one I have not seen. <laughs> it, it, I have seen it because it was filmed in the Shelburne Falls, Massachusetts, mm. same place they filmed The Judge, and like in the same year. Mm -hmm. So there was like two like touching 
dramas that were filmed there and i i'm oh that's that's always weird me out um what do you uh, all right so i i get a lot of the judgment on this trailer i'm still i still like a lot of what jason reitman does um even if some of his stuff has been a little dated uh like like i know like juno is probably kind of a cringy watch now you know um, or at least I assume. Uh, so, like, I'm still cautiously excited for this. What about you? I feel like, well, the way it appears to me, my learned friend, is that the original Ghostbusters at least strive to combine, it's like, humor that was popular at that time, like Caddyshack, Stripes, Bill Murray, Driven, like that brand of humor, with, right. you know, big budget adventure and action right. sequences with cool visual effects. And I feel like after the recent attempt where they went all humor and they just weren't able to compete at that level, in my opinion, um, the recent Ghostbusters remake. Oh, agree, yeah. Um, so they just sort of competed on like the more broadly friendly like Lego movie or Muppet movie, potentially, like that kind of vibe of humor. And this movie seems to have said, all right, we won't try to compete on that level. We'll just take ourselves very seriously and do the action adventure part. Like it was telling to me that the final splash shot was, you know, the car swooping into frame with the, it just, they're really focusing on the spectacle, which is a part of the original Ghostbusters. I just think, and this might be the smartest thing at their disposal. I think it limits the potential and then, of course, it's, you get that teaser shot at the end where you're like, so here's what I've come down to. If Bill Murray is like in it, in it, and is providing all the comedy, and it's a mashup between Bill Murray-driven scenes where he's crotchety and yelling at kids and action and spectacle, phenomenal. Well, I, I think it'll more likely just be a Bill Murray cameo, and they won't hey, have that much humor. Hold on. Isn't that tease at the end Dan Aykroyd? Is it? Because, well, it's just a voice. Ray, Ray oh. ran that bookstore. Bill Murray didn't. Well, even worse. Even yeah, worse. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. I think they're teasing Dan Aykroyd. Oh, which, okay. Yeah. I don't think anybody well, really is. The, I mean, it's fine. He'll tell them all about aliens and 9-11 and stuff. But, like, I I, I think here's what here's my hope. Because you're, I agree with you. It looks like they course corrected and studios always make this mistake where fans criticize it and they go, oh, so we should do the opposite. And it's like, Mm -hmm. no, you jackasses. And it feels like, you know, maybe don't make a Ghostbusters in general. Maybe that's the answer. Well, yeah, absolutely. Just don't make just make something new. But think of a troop or group that has a similar analogous place in the comedy landscape and give it like hook. Mm -hmm. James Gunn up with Broken Lizard and have them make a Ghostbusters and just leave mm-hmm. them alone or something. Well, don't, specifically, or, don't or corporatize get like, a Ghostbusters out in my right opinion. or someone like Edgar Wright. Um, sure, because what we're what Ghostbusters is, I think, in terms of comedy, is high concept. Most of the jokes written in advance with some room for improv. Right, right. that's what you would say the yeah. original was. Yeah, and so with mashed up with the plot of a big budget action adventure. Right. And they went in a totally different tone for the, the, the 2016 one. It was the wrong tone. I actually thought there was some funny moments in that. Um, 
I thought some people, like a lot of the people did a good job, but it just didn't feel like a Ghostbusters for that reason. It felt like a, you know, it felt like a what's his face. It was a perfectly competently put together. It just felt like a, or what, like a Paul Feig? Who are you going to say? Paul Feig was was. the director. Yeah. Um, And it felt. It was the Apatow. Oh, brand of humor. I can really feel a Paul Feig and it felt very Paul Feig. Yeah. And he's fine. He's good. (laughs) It was good. But um, it really, this yeah. does seem like it's threatening to be the opposite, where it's like, no jokes. We take our Ghostbusters seriously. Yeah. My hope, though, is that what we're seeing is the marketing uh, course correcting more than the movie. I don't think Jason Reitman, and this has, you know, Jason Reitman and... and um, and. Dan Aykroyd's his, his, hand. Well, yeah, Dan Aykroyd and his relationship to all these people. Right. I think they know that, like, don't make it completely serious. I think they're, they want to have a horror element in it, which is why the co-writer is also the director of Monster House and Poltergeist, which isn't a great, uh, you know, like, Poltergeist, the remake, wasn't very good. Also, City of Ember. Um, but they clearly mm. are going for, like... A serious tone or a serious mm-hmm. world, which is what the original Ghostbusters did. It was trying to be a horror movie at times. It was scary. At least like scary when I was enough a kid, to scare 13 year old kids. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I, we're, I, I, I wonder if the marketing is like, we're, let's just really push that fact. Because there's parts here with like Paul Rudd in the supermarket with little Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man. That's not. That's not serious. That looks dumb. That's like oh, dumb and, and goofy. They're, yeah, and they're not sk- even trying to be scary. One of them's like lying in a chocolate blanket like a s'more going like, oh, like I'm happy. Right. Snorlax. Um, so it's, yeah, they're doing bits. The CG, even the CG ghosts are doing bits. Yeah. So it might just be the trailer, but the trailer is super serial, guys. Like it really feels... Up until the end, and they're like, one of the original Ghostbusters on a phone. That'll be funny, maybe. I think the problem is that there's no way to really pin down what makes Ghostbusters Ghostbusters. Oh, I was also going to ask, do you have great reverence for Ghostbusters? No, but I think, well, like Ghostbusters 2, I love because I was the right age, and I know that Mm -hmm. it was received in a very, like, very cynically, because it did feel like it dumbed it down for kids. Right made it more of a commercial product and i get that i think ultimately what made ghostbusters was probably those four actors like that i think that's the that's sort of the problem like there's there's certain things you could reboot for example i know like red red letter media pointed this this out first and it's always stuck with me you could reboot indiana jones pretty easily because Harrison Ford doesn't necessarily oh, make will. Indiana Jones. Yeah. I'm not saying I want that to happen, but it could be rebooted, I think, because Indiana Jones is like, a, he's just a character. He's a hat. He's a whip. You know what I mean? Uh, he has the potential to transcend because he's also Pitfall Harry or whatever. Uh, he could be, he could a, be James he Bond. He could be a Bond or a Batman. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, he, I, I mean, well, that's what Uncharted is also, by the way. It's a soft reboot of Indiana Jones. It's just called Uncharted. Right. And you could just make a new movie instead of making Indiana Jones. You can make, you know, The Mummy. Who would Uh, you make Indiana Jones? uh, I wouldn't remake Indiana Jones. Oh, all right. 
Yeah. I'm just saying you could. Tiffany like you Haddish could turn that into answer. a bum. Go ahead. Okay. No, no, you're right. Um, so yeah, I don't know. This this doesn't feel like that case. It doesn't feel like you can just slap uniforms on comedians. It was kind of a flash in a pan situation. It was like a really cool, neat, unique idea for a comedy that worked for one and a half movies. So I don't know. That's right. Just give money to other up and coming or even established funny creatives and let them make other movies <laughs> right i always thought our generation or not our generation but like the new generation's ghostbusters was like uh Shaun of the dead like that felt like it's not the same movie obviously but it's a high concept comedy that everybody sort of knows and loves and mm-hmm. a lot of people have now grown up on like there are new things that can be go- ghostbusters and it doesn't have to be ghostbusters well, then uh, we win. Or like, because that's, I would say those are the millennials, that. And yeah. man, the Cornetto trilogy beats the pants off Ghostbusters. No offense, Ghostbusters fans. It's no, just, that's Those fair. are better films. Hot Fuzz, get out of here. No, you're not. I mean, I don't know if you're right there. It's subjective, but I get it. I get it. I would say those are better made, right? Edgar Wright's a better director. They were harder. Or to I, make. I I can't even say Edgar Wright's a better director than Ivan Reitman. That's he's more that meticulous. It depends what you value. Yeah, it depends on what you. Yeah, that's true. Um, any other other uh, thoughts on this one? Not really. I hope they reveal right. what the afterlife is. I would. Oh go. yeah, that'd be worth You're twenty right. bucks. <laughs> This is a Zool thing, right? Because the Ghostbusters, well, they don't... In fact, that's what was chilling about the trap, is you're like, what is this nether space that these souls have been confined to? Um, The cartoon answered it. They they did. But I wonder if this will be the live-action one that actually goes into the afterlife. Yeah. yeah, Breaks down the rules. Here's my prediction, my cynical-ass prediction. Ghostbusters was Ghostbusters. Or, sorry... Ghostbusters is the original Star Wars trilogy. Ghostbusters 2016 is the prequels. And this is the terrible new uh, Star Wars where they course correct so hard. So everything is just the original again. You know what I mean? Mm. Where like the prequels were bad, but they introduced new elements. And this is just going to be like, it's Zool again. And the dogs are back. Because you see the dogs, the hellhounds. In, Dan Aykroyd's only in just, it to get blown again by a ghost. Yeah, Exactly. <laughs> he's just going to show up. He's, he's going to get blown again by a, a, oh, a ghost. Ah, and, then, and then Adam Driver is going to stab him. Mm-hmm. And then he's gone. You know, that's what it feels like, right? It's going to be them being hardcore. Like, I think the lesson they, they for, like, accidentally, like, thought they learned was like, okay, don't do anything original. I'm guessing that's what it is. They'll be like, oh, okay, just don't do all the, the stuff formula. in the first one. Yeah. yeah. So it's just going to be a series of references to the first movie and not much else. Um, let's talk about American Horror Story double feature. Yeah, a thing that always has been and only is a series of references to everything else. Yeah, we're, what our, is... We're on Segway Fire today. <laughs> we really are. Well, no, you are. Well, you you structured the doc that way, my man. It's, oh, okay. It's a collaborative. It's an alley-oop. It's a classic alley-oop. Okay. But yeah, it looks like aliens and vampires are our two topics that intertwine here, right? Am I right? You you appear to be right. Here's what I'm very excited about. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, first of all, I don't think they're vampires. 
I, I, I talked in about this Lake of Blood on Twitter. or whatever it's called, part one. Well, here's here's what I know. One, Macaulay Culkin's in it. So that's exciting. Sure. Our boy Mac. Mm-hmm. Um, two, I know that they've been shooting this in Provincetown, Massachusetts. That's right? all you care about. <laughs> I know. No, no, it was, it was, look, every time something gets shot in Massachusetts, like the new Dexter, I have to hear about it. My parents message me or whatnot. So I, this one I just learned on my own. Provincetown, Massachusetts is, if you know Massachusetts, you know how it has that big dick coming out? Mm-hmm. It's the tip of the dick. It's, it's P-Town. It is uh, Cape Cod, Massachusetts. It is a, it is um, It's Tipton. Yeah. It is uh, an ex-whaling town that's very LGBTQ friendly, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it's like a party town. Um, so I'm guessing the, the like sharp teeth and stuff, I'm guessing mermaids. Doesn't that make more sense for like a whaling party town? Because it doesn't, it, they didn't just film in Provincetown. I believe it takes place in Provincetown. Which is like it specifically takes place there, so I'm I don't guessing it has any to do water imagery. Was there a bunch of water imagery that I'm blocking out? I can't tell if you're being sarcastic. Why? Because there was a ton. All I remember a was a ton of water imagery. Yeah, but you there's not Michael. imagery of like the vampires swimming. There's no gills. There's no no fish tails, fish heads. Look, there's a violin made of meat. Yeah, that's the aliens are doing the violin made of meat. There's also just, a violin being drawn across an eyeball as a reference to uh, Un Chien Andalou, the experimental surrealist film by Dali. Huh? N- huh? Wait, wait, wait. What? What Pretty is the reference good. to that? Oh, there's uh, Salvador Dali made a film where he cuts a no, cow's no, what eye is- open. Yeah, yeah, the Pixies wrote a song about it. Yeah, but what yeah, is yeah, yeah. what is the what is the reference in the trailer? I missed that. Oh, real quick, it shows I believe one of the alien eyes, and someone pulls the violin's bowstring across it like a razor blade, and the eye cuts. Oh, open. okay, I missed it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I don't know. This is maybe it is stupid, boring vampires. I just think because we talked about how American Horror Story, they kind of just pull from whatever is hot, and. And I think there's there was like a brief moment with indie horror where we were talking about mermaids. We were and definitely I, the lighthouse and yeah. Yeah, and spring and there's there's a few others. So I'm wondering if they jumped on that, I guess is what I'm saying. Because the location is like ripe for like mermaids, New England, like you know, old folk tales. This is a known quantity though. It's like or why get excited? First of all, two things I know about American Horror Story. Um, there have been a couple seasons that are quite good, but by yeah. and large, like however many, what are there? It's seven seasons. Five of them are not good. So it's probably not good. And B, <laughs> two, um, I don't, I feel like they're stretching further and further. Like the aliens thing is clearly sci-fi. I understand sci-fi and horror are related, but they don't seem exactly the same to me. Um, and I think. Do you understand have... the structure of the double feature? Like, will the stories reflect no. upon each other, or are they just That's two the... things in a row? I I assume they'll reflect each other. That's the thing that threw me off because I knew about the Provincetown stuff, and then this trailer has a bunch of alien bullshit, and I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, I don't know how the fuck that relates. I will say that. 
Cape Cod near P-Town also has the sand dunes, which are very desert-like. So I'm guessing there's like, that's the transition point, um, at least visually, but I'm not certain because the alien stuff appears to be like Area 51 desert. But I'm just saying if their whole premise Uh, is like, look at this double feature and the casts, you know, did the same cast play different characters or they're thematically related? That's already what American Horror Story is season to season. So I'm just confused about what the double feature brings to spice up the proceedings. I I have to assume there's some sort of connection, right? Between the damn, between the damn aliens. Because everything they're doing is like, their posters are like aliens making out with whatever the other thing are. This show is, their marketing is so crackerjack. Like their posters and trailers are works of art that are really disturbing shorts. Or, you know, visual things. And the show rarely holds up to that standard. So I'll basically just wait until everyone's seen it and they tell me what, if it right. was good or not. They're specifically saying two worlds collide. So, yeah, that's what that implies. They're also really horny. Their marketing, They're everything is horny. really horny. I do think it would be I, funny if it turns out that it's vampire aliens. I agree with you about... American Horror Story in general. They're like, it's like The Walking Dead. There's a couple good seasons, and most of it is just like, meh. I'm, I have to watch this one because our boy Mac is in it, mm-hmm. and I, I vacationed every year in Provincetown. Okay. So I just have to see the place from my childhood. Um, that's not really an endorsement of this. <laughs> but I hope it's good, you know? I hope things are good. I always like, I hope, hope it's good because I like good. horror and I like the cast. But yeah. yeah. But yeah, I, I don't know what the fuck this is. I will say, I do think aliens are good in horror. The X-Files always made aliens scary to me. And I think we need more alien horror. Yeah, but my inclin- my suspicion is that they're going to have aliens that get bitten by vampires and I just think that's silly. I don't know why, but it's too far for me. I'm Do like, you think it's alien vamp? You're probably right. I'm the like, I'll I buy at- either one separately, but together, that's just absurd, my dear. <laughs> right. The more I look at the... There's, there's, there's shots of vampires like swim, or, yeah, swimming underwater, which makes me think, there oh, are. they're okay. they're mer people. How did I miss again. all that shit? You but could be they right. do, but they do look like fucking vampires, and they, they make look like out with aliens. But they're always in the water. You keep seeing mm-hmm. them in the water in the the prom- promotional stuff. So Murder I don't, I don't aliens know. is cool. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck. Maybe you know it's what? Atlanteans. For some reason, I could buy a melding of the undersea, that unknown pie. You know. Uh, yeah. Pioneer Frontier, that unknown frontier, and space. So I could see aliens and mermaids melding more easily in a story than I yeah. vampires. I just feel like aliens are about abduction, vampires are about seduction. They don't match. They're yeah, too matchy, right. but they don't quite match as themes go. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know, man. Well, you do I, is aliens I, and kidnappers. <laughs> yeah, just like like uh, like. Dudes with vans, you mean? Like, yeah, <laughs> a whole race of them, like, out prowling the night. Yeah. Uh, like, they're a class. Um, I was thinking, like, <laughs> prisoners. If prisoners had a midpoint or third act twist where aliens abduct one of the prisoners. Oh, yeah, fuck it. something, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I would buy that more easily than vampire bites an alien and he becomes a vampire alien. That's all. 
Right. Right. I mean, what are the odds? That would be cool. I don't know. Vampire. Because aliens, as far as we know, they're just like people with technology, right? Well, unless you go all in. Because, yeah, I would like a unified paranormal movie where the premise is like, you know, almost um, Cabin in the Woods vibes. Like, a group of aliens are busy planting Sasquatches and they get bitten by a werewolf vampire and now there's a werewolf vampire alien on the loose. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. Something like that could be fun. If you're going to go in, go all the way in. Well, that's like the X-Files universe because that's all those things exist in the X-Files universe. Yeah. So, yeah. That's uh, true. You wonder why Mulder ever, or like, it's funny that at any time Mulder could stop and go, you know, Scully, while we're hunting this voodoo zombie, vampires are also real i just yeah. i just th- i just think that's interesting to think about they're real <laughs> right kinda, now at the same time just kind of <laughs> blows my mind yeah. back to the turns out zombie. i was i was right about <laughs> yeah. everything every single thing that we've wrote about in folklore all right was scully oh fucking right can i get some benefit <laughs> of the doubt uh let's talk about this next trailer sure uh the card counter yeah this, for me, mm-hmm. I don't know about you, is completely resting upon the, the fact that Oscar Isaac isn't it. Yeah, and presented by Martin Scorsese, right? That was this yeah, one? Yeah, that, for me, that doesn't indicate a good movie necessarily, but yes. Um, and, and No, of course, for Willem me Defoe. either, but it does for many folks, so I just thought that people should know that it's presented by Marty. Um, right. Yeah, uh, I think I. that's why she was on my mind. Tiffany Haddish looks good in this. Oscar Isaacs looks good in oh, this. Yeah. Uh, so, you know. Uh, Cyclops, the kid who plays Cyclops in X-Men. Yeah. I have certain genres that are a blind spot for me. In real life, gambling doesn't get me that much. And so movies about high stakes gambling, similarly, I don't take those stakes very seriously. Unless you're James Bond and you have to like dip outside to shock your heart back to life. Like right. I need something additional. And this seems like it's just, you know, he's got to play cards here's, really good or he'll yeah. get his legs broke or whatever. <laughs> here's the thing about playing cards. It's boring. Like that's that's the boring thing. Boring to watch. Yeah. yeah like... And so you have to do it dumb. Like, for example, in this, they're like, so you're a card counter. And then he's, like, playing poker. And, mm-hmm. like, that's not – you you can't count cards while playing poker. Uh, that's not how poker works. Like, I, I've known a few, like, professional poker players, and there's, like, mathematical calculations you can make. But you consider the, the deck to have part, like plus and minus charges, right? And or like have high potential or low potential at any given. That that's sh- what I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> it's basically you calculate pot odds, and it's just okay. basing your hand versus all the possible hands that could beat your hand versus how big the pot is. That's more or less what I've figured out. Is there's a mathematical calculation that tells you basically like when to raise or fold and or 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 call or whatnot based on what you have and what the other like everything that could beat you and it's more of like a very long term calculation so like you said you play for five hours in the trailer it's mostly waiting it's like a stakeout yeah which yeah 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 he does but like for example when that bond example in casino royale when bond wins if you go back and watch the hand that he wins on, it's one of the dumbest hands. 
Mm-hmm. He wins with like a five and like seven of clubs in his hand. And that's like a hand you would never even go in on See, with I'm high stakes poker. Cards are boring. Exactly. <laughs> Cards are boring, which is why movies make it up, which I am for. So I don't know. I think this is more probably about he's a card counter and then it seems like Willem Dafoe put him in jail and Cyclops wants his help. And I think yeah. it's going to be more about some sort of bullshit like that, right? Where yeah, like, like they're doing a, a crime or yeah. just any like Vegas down on your luck, you know, got to survive one crazy night of hardship coming your way, sunny. Right. I should note this is written and directed by uh uh Paul Schrader. I think I said his name right. Uh, who wrote right. Taxi Driver and Raging yeah. Bull? So and First Reformed. So yeah, he actually does have some cred here. Uh, yeah, and First Reformed was totally he like di- entrancing. Yeah, he, di- he directed First Reformed as well. Um, so I, and he also directed Dominion, the sequel to the the prequel to The Exorcist. That uh, well, fine. Then everyone where he got replaced with Rennie Harlan, and maybe it'll be great. Like how Moneyball is boring to like baseball is also boring to me, but Moneyball's good anyway. And Aaron Sorkin sucks, but Moneyball's good anyway. Uh, Maybe Card Counter will be objectively great to watch. It has a strong pedigree going for it. Yeah, I guess I say this because I started by saying Oscar Isaac's the only thing grabbing me, and that's there's more. (laughs) Yeah, there's more. There's a lot more. There's more, but I think we were both. trying to say that cards are inherently boring and that's what the movie's about so if that's enough to turn you off there you go yeah well again i i do think because oscar isaac is such like a a fuck bucket that like like i i do think uh, he's gonna get like if you don't care about scorsese or all any of the nerdy film stuff or card counting i think him alone is gonna get in some people because he's real hot right now we love Oscar Isaac, He's and this is just the slicked, new Oscar Isaac movie. His slicked back hair is currently streaked with the optimal amount of gray. It will never be yeah. this ideal of a ratio again. Yeah. Also, he should be in more mob shit. He should be in a Scorsese film. Yeah, but like real mob shit, where they don't need to play cards because they're already breaking ankles and shit. Yeah, <laughs> That's yeah, what yeah, I yeah. Like. Yeah. For Burying sure. Burying folks alive and... God bless their hearts. Mobsters, hardworking mobsters. They bring I the drama. I just looked up. Yeah, I just looked up future projects for him. Mm-hmm. He's going to be in a movie called Francis and the Godfather, playing Francis okay. Ford Coppola. Oh, there you go. So, yeah, so that's not quite mob shit, but nope. uh, it's directed by Barry Levinson and has Elizabeth Moss and Jake Gyllenhaal also in it. Gyllenhaal, I always, that's like a Nintendo power seal of approval or whatever of quality. Oh, yeah. Gyllenhaal has good taste in projects, so that, you know that's a good sign. You know who Hall's playing? Hmm. Our, our buddy Robert Evans. It clearly must be our friend Robert oh, Evans, right, not right. the producer. Okay. Yeah. I was hoping uh, he would play Pacino somehow. <laughs> That'd be amazing. <laughs> that Holy would be shit. really good, yeah. Uh, no other thoughts on the card counter? Not really. You don't you don't seem that into it. Let's talk about something more exciting. King Richard. Oh god. Yeah, you know, Space Jam didn't focus enough on Michael Jackson's dad. 
I you just, mean Michael Jordan, but sorry, Michael Jackson's Jordan. dad, that would be interesting. Michael Jordan's dad, yeah, sorry. Yeah, Space Jam should have taken a wild left turn <laughs> and focused on no. No, I just don't like the setup of, I'll tell you what really rubbed me the wrong way is the actors that play Venus and Serena are not credited. And I love Will Smith. <laughs> and I get that Will Smith is selling the movie, but the movie's called King Richard. And it's about Venus and Serena Williams' dad and how... He, it's just a meditation, it seems from the trailer, on what a genius he was for having the plan that his daughters would be amazing at tennis. Yeah. Like, okay, so- let's all give him his flowers for what he did by thinking, you should be good at tennis, my daughters. Here's the, here's the thing. Here's my very optimistic view. Two of the executive producers are Serena and Venus Williams. <laughs> All right, then I'm way then I'm off base, and it's going to be fine. Well, no, no, you're right. Also, Will Smith is a producer. You're right. This looks this doesn't look right because it is like, yeah, let's let's celebrate the man behind these two incredible women. That said, I wonder if there's a story behind how this was made, and maybe they were like, we really want to honor our father because he really did a lot for us. You know, like there, sure. there there could be a story there. Well, if they're but, a driving force and that's what they decide, that's what I'm saying is that totally yeah. legitimizes it. Or maybe it's a marketing thing. And by the end, the movie is rightly focused or properly focused. You know what I mean? Uh, right. Or I guess like, but as you, like, if they are behind it, then I completely retract my statement. Because if you want to make a love letter to your father, you're allowed to do that. So that's fine. Right. I mean, what I'm reading here is the screenplay came from the blacklist. So it doesn't sound like it started. Uh, it started with them necessarily. So I don't know, man. Uh, it does. It does feel weird um, that Will Smith is like taking over this movie. Yeah. Um, and that, yeah, these like. Yeah, it, Venus and Serena Williams, it should be a movie about them. And Parenthood's a tough gig. I'm sure the dad strived and, you know, blood, sweat, and tears and love for his daughters. But they act, they did the thing. <laughs> they actually right. did the thing. Right. It just seems odd. I don't know. It's, it's, it is very weird because I think it's also like, biopics usually have the part where the parents are like you're never gonna make it so mm-hmm. like it is a neat idea of like and, the dad and their, is like, their dad you're is always just very supportive yeah. yeah uh so that's cool i just i don't know yeah i will uh, it's hard to judge it from this one trailer nor is it the first sure. time will smith has done the v- character who their only role is to like I only say, yes, we will succeed to the universe. Like, I cannot. Right. Pursuit of Happiness, I think, is the one that I'm thinking of. Right. Um, but, yeah, it's a it's an inspirational Will Smith role. You know, that's a bucket of roles that I think he's going to keep aging gracefully into and taking. Oh, yeah. And he's not bad at it. I'm sure it will be moving as shit. I yeah. just hope that it has the proper third act focus on the people who actually accomplished the thing. Super, super agree. Also, I just, uh, a side note, I love it whenever someone sticks a wig on John Bernthal and Mm. gives him like a non-tough guy role. I love it every single time. Every time he shows up in this or like, or like, I think he was in that Scorsese film. He was in uh, The Wolf of Wall Street. 
and he's just like someone glues a wig to his head and they're like mm-hmm. smile john bernthal pretend you're not the fucking punisher <laughs> it's so funny to me and i want more of it i yeah. want more of it i love it when i mix up michael jordan and michael jackson because it's such a good look yeah Ah, uh, okay. Well, let's talk about the next trailer then. Um, this one really baffles me. This is the trailer for Army of Thieves. I was like, this can't be what I think it is. It is yeah, that. Yeah. It's the guy, it's the German gentleman from <laughs> Army of the Dead who opens the safe, and it's a prequel. It's his whole deal before Army of the Dead. It's weird, it's Dave. So, it's weird, wild stuff. <laughs> it's so weird. Zack yeah. Snyder has a story credit. It is it is directed by the guy who I believe plays the German guy um, in Army of the Dead. Well, you can absolutely understand from his vantage that why he'd be like, you want more of this character in an expanded universe? Hell yeah. Sure. I don't think it came out immediately after. It feels like... Like, it feels like they were filming Army of the Dead, and he walked up and he was like, hey, this is the weirdest thing. I've been making a movie about a character with this exact same name doing a heist. And they're like, fuck it. Slap it on Army of the Dead. Like, that's what it, it's such a weird spinoff. It's happening immediately after. Well, do you know if the actor's Austrian or German? I don't know, man. Like, is that his normal speaking voice? You don't know. Is this gonna is this gonna play into? He's German, according to his IMDb. It would height. It would increase the chances that he was already making a film independently where he ha- plays a character with that accent. You yeah, know, that's fair. Um, so, like, um, I could see it, but it's still highly unlikely. But like a yeah. diehard situation where it's just being repurposed at a marketing level. I don't know. I honestly don't know how the hell this thing happened. Um, the writer is also the writer of Army of the Dead. So mm-hmm. I'm guessing it, it's they're also writing Army of the Dead Lost, Lost Vegas, a TV series that's coming out next year. Was I Army think, of the Dead crazy successful? I think Netflix just assumed it was going to be and greenlit an entire cinematic universe. But this is... Army of the Dead's fine. It's actually a rather dumb movie. Uh, Did you see it? Yeah. Yeah, It's pretty dumb. Uh, If you're trying to launch a cinematic universe, though, and you're a giant soulless studio, like, I can imagine uh, betting on Zack Snyder returning to zombies is not a bad bet. That's as an extended universe that might take hold, but I just don't think it's going to. I didn't see the kind of zeitgeist impact from Army of the Dead that I think you would need to justify continuing these on and on. But Netflix doesn't share their numbers, so maybe they're like, you guys don't know. Army of the Dead was, you know, our Star Wars. I think whatever's calculating their, like, whatever algorithm computer is doing this is malfunctioning because they're like okay so you guys liked army of the dead this movie about a heist during a zombie movie uh zombie apocalypse what if we did that but without the zombies like that is the dumbest direction and we release it after and it's about before yeah it's it's yeah it's odd there's a shot like in this where they're like, oh, geez, look at what's happening in Vegas. And it's like, yeah, you're right. Look at that. It's almost as if that's a better movie happening. Right. It's almost as if, yeah, something more interesting is literally on the horizon. Yeah, it's like a heist movie of the whole time. They're like, did you hear about that Godzilla that's happening? And it's like, show us that. 
Also, um, as far I miss- as I can tell, the army of thieves is just like seven thieves. It's not really an army. An army of no. the dead, the, fra- the word army refers to the zombie army, of which there are hundreds or thousands. Army of thieves is referring to the group of protagonist thieves as an army. It bothers me. This movie feels like a bizarre afterthought as if, and maybe Zack Snyder is just so powerful at this point that this is true, as if you could finish making one big movie and be like, we have $5 million left over in the budget. You want to make another movie? (laughs) The tagline for this movie on the poster is more safes, less zombies. That's what they're, that's what they're like. Yeah. You fucking love it. Yeah, though no, it really feels like it was like we have a bunch of, or it's like he filmed like the four hour Zack Snyder cut, and he was like, I I have two hours on this character, and they're like, we don't need all this. Here's what we'll do, Zack. We'll just make that its own movie. Um, cause yeah, I hope they didn't like it. Really, like I really hope they didn't just start a separate production for this and like spend a bunch mm-hmm. of money on it. Because it doesn't seem like it was it would be worth making. You know what no. I mean? It's like three ninjas kickback part two, no ninjas. Right. <laughs> it feels like a short that would be like tacked on yeah, to the DVD. It should be a twenty minute Pixar short before Army of the Dead. And if you wanted to really blow it out, do one for each of the characters and put it on the Blu-ray or DVD or what have you. Right. Yeah. Shorts that are about or just release them on Netflix prestige shorts about each of the characters see if that takes off then spin out your extended universe i don't know maybe throw some alien vampires at them yeah um looking Mm -hmm. this up on wikipedia uh 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 one of the producers referred to it as the italian job in a world where zombies exist but don't necessarily Uh, interact with our plot in a major way exactly (laughs) they also called the genre a romantic comedy heist film Mm. so it's a romantic comedy heist film that takes place in a world where zombies exist in a different country yeah like there's i don't even think there's zombies like you think okay what's gonna happen okay they're saying that they're the the filmmaker teased that the undead may appear oh yeah there's gonna be one zombie yeah a climactic moment Zack Snyder confirmed there are zombies in the film. I mean, yeah, there better fucking be. Right. Uh, I don't know. Maybe this movie is amazing. Maybe it's just like this really cool script that zombies like saying something about the genre and about the world. You know what I mean? You don't have uh, to I, give it the benefit of the doubt, Dave. You well, can I'm trying, if you want, but you don't this have isn't about, to. It's not the benefit of doubt is that I believe that nothing gets greenlit without someone thinking it's a good idea. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? No one's just like, yeah, let's do that. That'll piss them off. So, like, clearly there's a reason this movie exists. There has to be. <laughs> like, even if the movie's not good, it probably started from an idea. Right. Well, So I'm trying to simple... imagine what the fuck did it start from? I mean, that dude that it's the vehicle for could be really talented and charming and easy to work with, and Zack Snyder could really want to help him out. I don't right. know. You know, is one of any German, number of maybe, examples. Maybe he's the German Tom Cruise. Of things that are reasons to make a movie that won't make the movie good necessarily. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> I want to talk about this next thing. Sure. 
Blade Runner Black Lotus. This is a weird one. <coughs> Excuse me. A weird one to re- include, but it came out of nowhere. Yeah, and when the URL included channel equals Adult Swim, I was ready for a very different tone. Like, yeah. especially now that we have Star Trek Lower Decks and we're doing that with IPs now where we're like, fuck it, make it a comedy. Uh, I was <laughs> ready for like a raunchy Blade Runner comedy. But I forgot, of course, that the other thing that Adult Swim does is very serious, kick-ass, like anime and anime adjacent yeah. stuff. So this is a lightly animated out Blade Runner. Yeah, cartoon. it's them in Crunchyroll. Mm-hmm. Um, part of me is excited for the idea of making a bunch of Blade Runner bullshits. That's fine. Like they, they should make a video game. It's a it's one of those universes that you could tell a bunch of it's like Star Wars almost. You could tell a shitload of different stories in this universe. It's 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 built up enough. And it doesn't just have to be about replicants and blade runners. You know what I mean? Like it can be yeah, about throwing other Indiana things. Jones in there, you know? Yeah, fuck it. I, I don't know, man. I, I have nothing else to say about this other than, like, the animation doesn't look great, but I like I like where their heart is. I don't think, I the, like, yeah. I don't think the animation looks great. I think all the dialogue that was featured was painfully, like, every line in the trailer you've heard a thousand times before, like, yes. I don't think I'll get through it alone and kill them, kill them all and shit like that. Yeah. Um, so I don't have super high hopes also because I've – Never found a Blade Runner thing to be rivetingly like action packed. Blade Runner twenty forty nine is probably my favorite Blade Runner thing, and it is not riveting and action packed. And Black Lotus looks like it is trying to be riveting and action packed. So I just don't know how well it'll meld. And if it is a riveting action packed like thing about a robot fighting for its life, I didn't necessarily even need that to be Blade Runner related. Seems like right. that could be anything. Yeah, I just, I think I'm excited about the idea, not this specific thing, but the idea of living in the Blade Runner universe a little more. It feels like entry-level cyberpunk, and I, there's a lot of other cyber. I just want a snow crash show, Dave. Just give me a snow crash anime. Come on. Okay, I will. I'll greenlight it. Done. All right. All right. Um, Next trailer, The Night House. Oh, yeah. So... I have a, I have a, I have something to say about this because we we actually covered the trailer for this a long time ago, and we kind of dismissed it because it looked very generic. I wish I had looked it up because one, this is getting good reviews. That's one. Two, it's from the writer and director who did um, a segment in the movie Southbound. Uh, VHS. They did a seg a segment. Uh, they also directed the movie The Ritual, which I don't know if you've seen The yeah, Ritual. Yeah, The Ritual is great. Yeah. VHS, it depends on the segment. Some of them are terrible and some of them are great. <laughs> but it sounds yes. like a good one, probably. I think so. It was the segment Amateur Night. Uh, I'm going to look up what that is, um, but I don't remember. But this looks, yeah, uh, horror is so hit and miss in terms of whether it's going to actually give you like dread in your bowels when you see it you know who knows but this definitely looks promising enough that it could it has a uh, hereditary feel but it doesn't look completely derivative but it does have pale naked older people like 
in the night suddenly falling out of sight and stuff that I've seen uh, trending recently in horror. But, uh, you know, it there was enough variety in the like way it was filmed and the look of it that I'm like, yeah, there's room for another one of those for me. Yeah. This is, all right. So the VHS segment, it's the one with the fucking succubus that flies the dude into the sky. Oh, that's a great one. And it's from his point of view and you see it like eating him. Yeah. Right. And I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, I think the dude was also, I'm not certain, but I think he was in the ritual as well. Okay. Um, and the ritual rips. No, no. You know what? I don't think that's true. But here's the thing. All right. The ritual isn't, story-wise, it's not a particularly amazing movie either. It's got, like, tastes of Blair Witch um, and, like, you know, um, Apostle, any culty things. Yeah. But it's the fucking look of that movie. Right. And the monster uh, when it's finally the, revealed. Yeah. Exactly. And so that's why the Nighthouse, like... That's why we wrote it off at first, because it looks so like, oh, this is just by the book, paid by numbers, haunted house. It's called like the Night House. Our current version. Yeah, the hereditary-esque version of that. Yeah. Yeah. And now that I know who directed it, I'm like, shit, I want to see this more than anything. Mm. Because because I this this movie, like, yeah, it, it, what makes or breaks it is the visuals. You know what I mean? And from this director, I'm thinking the visuals are going to be great. It reminds me of like, like, have you seen Caveat yet? That's a good horror movie that came out. No, uh, I want that's, to. That's not a particularly like original premise either. And in fact, has some really stupid ideas. Uh, but it doesn't matter because the movie visually is terrifying. And, and so it's like, it doesn't horror, matter. Yeah, horror is a sensory experience. It can be both. Like, you can be conceptually filled with dread because of the matters being discussed and how much trauma the characters are in. But right. also, you can just be like, nope, that looks scary. I hate that. <laughs> you yeah, know? exactly. It can be as simple it, as that. Yeah. Caveat has a lot of that. A lot of me literally going, oh, nope, I don't I like hate that. that thing with the yeah, big I eyes or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you? Yeah. This director is also doing the Hellraiser reboot which i now apparently have to see so this is like one of six horror directors out there that i've been like oh shit i i love everything they do so so you're even more excited you said it's the one you most want to see more than the next one dave (laughs) what's the next one because the next trailer is wild and i'm very excited about it oh it's lame that's right so I I made I made a a reference to uh, I made a you reference because I I I feel like this should be called Who Fucked This Goat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it really feels like a like you could have done this sketch with someone just holding a puppet. You go like, well, its hands are hooves, Mary. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I, the devil? What do you mean the devil? <laughs> Mary, what do you mean the devil? It's not the devil. You fucked the goat. Just say you fucked the goat. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. there's literally the moment that like they the goat gives birth to this thing. Mm-hmm. She like looks up at her husband and he like looks at her. And he smiles and, and nods both... and he's like, that's yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yes, um, it is a, a... Speaking of disturbing imagery, <laughs> I do think they stumbled upon... Humanoid animals can either be 
it's interesting. They found an uncanny valley and they're mining it for scares and it's working. Um, like uh, humanoid animals often look cute or often just look inoffensive or can look natural where like it doesn't bother you. But they combined a lamb with a humanoid body in a way that is not happy. <laughs> it's not like pleasant. Um, yes. Even though there's nothing, obs- there's no slime or blood or anything. It's just a good solid creepy image of like this little glassy eyed kid with the head and hands of a lamb following the mother around. So this movie was written by an Icelandic poet and novelist. You know it's grim. (laughs) Named, I don't know if I can pronounce it. Sean, S J O N. The O is all fucked up. It's got something fucked up over it. (laughs) Sean. I'll give you one guess of who he collaborates with often. Lars. No, Bjork. Oh, oh, that's why I saw a tweet that said Bjork did all the mocap for the lamb. Okay. Oh, so I, I'm scared to watch this movie because I think I know what it's about and I think it's going to emotionally devastate me. I think because there's parts in this trailer where she's like pretty clear. What? Well, they also have the line. It's not your child. It's just a lamb. Is like the one of the only featured lines in the trailer. Don't you think she lost her baby and she's treating the lamb like a baby? No, to make up for okay. that loss. I, I think there's a little of that. But there's also a scene um where they're yelling at she yells at the goat, and I assume the goat she yells at is the parent. Right. Um I and I there's a part where someone dr- is dragging a goat into a field, presumably to kill it. Mm-hmm. I assume that's also the parent. I I think she's going to be like fighting the goat for ownership of this thing and I think the movie is going to explore why aren't animals any different than us. Oh, uh, is that why at the end of the tagline is mother nature cuz it's like her versus she is equal to na- it's like the case of human mother versus nature as a mother. Yeah, I think this movie is going to be very sad to animals. Like, I think we're going to see some... And I hate watching animals die in movies. It's it's my least favorite Even thing. the seagull in Lighthouse? That was funny. No, Come that was there. hilarious. <laughs> it, here's... All right. Fuck that seagull. For me, there's always this... Um, it's like a rule where, like, if something's so sad that it's over the top, then it becomes funny. You know what I mean? Or so grotesque. And the seagull is that, right? It's yeah. so grotesque that it's funny. Um, you know, like in Idle Hands, Devin Sawa swings a cat by its tail. The cat's clearly a dummy, and he throws it out the window. That's funny no, but like, because true it's so grit, over the top. Riding the horse to death is very depressing. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I think this is going to have a lot of that. Stuff like that, sure. Yeah, I think this is going to be exploring that idea, um, kind of like the movie The Fly, uh, the, well, the original, do you rather, think where it's like kind of this, like, is the lamb... Is it alive? It does it have a soul? It's got you know like is it? It's got the brain of a lamb, but it's got the heart of a human. What makes something alive? What makes it sentient? What gives it a soul? I think we're going to be exploring that, and there's going to be a, a, a you know kind of a devastating view of animals um, within it, or a devastating portrayal of certain animals. That's my guess of what this movie explores based on the trailer 
What my guess ask? was that she was. I'm wondering if you think it, there's any unreliable narrator component, or it's a dark fable like magical realism. Like, do you think the lamb is real? The little lamb. Uh, I don't. I don't think it's going to matter. I don't think the movies. I think, as far as the world of the movie is concerned, mm-hmm. it's going to be real. I base that off the off the fact that it's written by this dude who writes with Bjork. Right. Uh, like you know, I'm guessing it's going to be like. Like a fairy tale, you know, but I'm sure the characters are going to be, they, they, they definitely seem concerned that they have a lamb child. Mm hmm. Yeah. Or do you think it's, um, a gritty like prequel to lamb chops play along? I think it's the origin story of gritty. Yeah. Yeah. The mascot. Yeah, sure. He fucked I would that love, goat. Yeah, <laughs> fuck that goat. Someone fucked that goat. It doesn't seem like they're like it. Like it really should have just been called "Who fucked this goat." It doesn't seem like anybody's pointing fingers at anybody else. I think, I think she's just gonna accept like that. This is a like a magical goat, right? But like clearly, someone fucked that. Yeah, like goat. mother exclamation point, a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know, man. I'm sold just on the vibe, though. I'm into it. I'm into it, too. I think it's going to be like that Nicolas Cage pig movie where everybody's going to go watch it expecting to have a real romp. And it'll be really bleak. And it'll be really bleak it's and Icelandic. serious. What were you expecting? Yeah. Oh, that's God, the tip yeah. <laughs> have you ever sat down and just watched an Icelandic movie? Yeah, that's bleak shit. <laughs> it really is. They have a thing going on with them. It's, it's so... <laughs> It well, it's because it's like it's like Alaska, everywhere, mm-hmm. right? And like that's their that's their. Uh, it's beautiful, but spare. It's yeah, a, a modern sensibility aesthetic, if you will. Yeah, okay, I'm trying to think of isolate. Did you ever see Noi? N O I. Nope. Noi. Uh, it's it, that's a like early 2000s Icelandic film. It's brutal, uh, because again, they're all brutal. Mm. Um, uh, should we move on? Sure. All right. Well, we got more people to thank. Do you want to you do the first? You I'll take do the, the first, first one. I'll take the first yeah. epic slam, Dave. Unkool-Aid Molotov says, fill me with the blood of your billionaires and drink deep, my brothers. Uncool. Uncool. Uncool-Aid. Thank uh, you. E.T., the extravagant terrestrial. Yet again, I thank can only you. freestyle one epic slam. Uh, Cody Johnson's, is that right? <laughs> I think it's Cody Johnson's wrong. time machine noise. Thank you. Mm. Pete Vorpagel. Thank you very thank you, much. Pete. Glitterous, CFO of Michael Shannon's Chocolate Factory. Oh, a hearty thank it's you hot. to you. Uh, and likewise, thank you to subscribe to Jason Pargin's Substack. I don't even know what a Substack is. I read what Neither they put did in front I. of me. <laughs> uh, and of course, last but not least, as regards this segment of names of people we're thanking, we finally arrive at a name for all seasons. <laughs> the Midnight Patron, what patrons at midnight. Woo, thank you. Also, a thank you to Exploding Runes. Thank you to Andrew. Andrew, how? How? Thank you to Vincent. Uh, thank you to Rev MD. Aye, aye. 
Thank you to Doctor DNA. Thank you to Lauren Gucci. Hubba hubba. <laughs> thank you to Bootler Bootleson. Ah, thank you to all. Thank you, thank you. Let's talk news stories. Okay. Um, I want to. Uh, all right. I'm actually going to start with the Scarlett Johansson thing, uh, and then we'll get on to the fun news because I think the other two stories are good news. Mm-hmm. Um, Scarlett Johansson is suing Disney because of uh, the streaming release. Do you do you do you know what's going on here? All I know is that they released Black Widow simultaneously to streaming and in theaters. I don't understand why Scarlett Johansson has any claim against Ah. or why it matters to her. Well, this hadn't (laughs) occurred to me, and now it makes me realize why so many movies aren't releasing during the pandemic. You know how we delayed all these movies, and we've been saying, Mm. like, why not just put it on streaming? Um, There's a lot of reasons why money being the primary part of all of them yeah specifically scarlett johansson i believe was given points on the back end she was told you know you'll get x percentage of the of the uh the the oh because i know recently theater a coalition of like theater owners also published a public letter saying like we think it stinks that you released it on streaming and disney was like fuck you so yeah, what are you this gonna do is about the, it? Yeah, this is the difficulty that they're in is I think you know what what happened was they saw the pandemic as an opportunity to be like, well, we can push our streaming platform. They weren't wrong. However, in the case of Black Widow, it was kind of post pandemic. Like I saw that in theaters. And post story beat. It's like uh the MCU had already passed the point Black Widow's dead for goodness sake. It's like yes. uh that's a big part of it with everyone that I've spoken to about it. It's just like, you know, it's like releasing Army of Thieves. It just feels like yeah. out of nowhere. There was a lot of hot takes. I saw people like, not hot takes, but like articles of people like, why did Black Widow not do well? And it's like, because you killed her character off years mm-hmm. ago. And this prequel doesn't do anything for that. Like the movie is, I don't know if you saw it. It's, it kind of treats her death really like callously. Mm-hmm. And like it, it does feel very tacked on and unnecessary of a movie. It, it's it's like, oh, we did it, you guys. She solved the red room thing, sort of. And it's like, great. I mean, she's dead, and it like ends with her being like, now and to go like, off. But and we help gave her friends. a movie. It counts. It still counts. Yeah. We gave her a movie. <laughs> exactly. It was like too little, too late. They yeah. should have given this to her after Iron Man two. For but Christ's also sakes. as far as. Like, ScarJo is not even my ultimate symbol of, like, man, it's good to see her win one. Like, I don't really right. care if ScarJo it's, it's, thrives. It's, one, it's a very rich person suing a very, very, yeah. very, very rich company. So, like, yeah, I guess I'm on her side. Sure. She's slightly... Always see she's uh, the less Disney rich. taking down a notch. That's always good. I think what it is, here's what it is, is that I hope they don't settle... And I hope she sues and wins because that'll set a precedent that'll, you know, set a a good direction for how streaming works. Because what we're seeing is kind of the equivalent of like Spotify for actors. You know what I mean? Where it's going to be a lot of this. It's going to be a lot of people doing movies for like back end stuff Mm -hmm. that'll then just go on streaming and they'll make no money. Right. It'll be a way for studios to not pay people 
And not just actors, of course, but like, you know, writers. And not just actors who are at a point in their career where they can get points on the back end, which is not common. Right. Um, well, I think you can to some extent. Like the, the, the option I have, I have like a couple points, but it's like, it's that Hollywood accounting thing where it's like they make sure they don't make any money. Yo, the movie I'm making, the actors will not be getting points. <laughs> yeah. Unless That's they fair. get points in well, lieu po- of pay. Points are useless. I think points, unless unless you're Scarlett Johansson, if they're like, you'll get 2.5% mm-hmm. on the back end. It's like, I know I'm not going to see that because I know that Hollywood accounting or not even just any accounting usually is like, yeah, we barely made a profit. Like that's what they they're able to make all movies seem like they don't make any money. Right. That's part it's, of how they make so much money. Yeah, it's part it's why most movies are like legally their own independent businesses, I believe, like the production. Well, we also uh, live with a constant paradox, which is the common wisdom is that there's no worse investment than making a movie. Like it's yeah. always a bad. You're you know, you're always more likely to not make the money back than to make the money back. But at the same time, film as an industry is one of the most profitable. Like video games are ahead of it now, but film is up there. So you have right. to wonder, I don't know, they can't both be true. Certain yeah. I know some I mean some movies make no money and some movies make a ton of money. But if you look at the way the paperwork comes out, yeah, they make it look like they are squeaking by, which is always right. a good look. Point being is that I'm what I'm guessing happened because streaming is hard to tell how much a movie makes on streaming if you're releasing on Netflix. Thing is though, I believe Black Widow on Disney Plus, I might be wrong, had a, like a rental, right? I thought it was like a $20 rental. Yeah. So you could, add, yeah, it's a $30 rental. Yeah. Okay. Um, so here's what I bet is what pissed her right off is you could calculate, okay, this is how much money we made through rentals, right? What I'm guessing is her contract specifically says theaters. Right. And so they're like, sorry, that doesn't count. And she's aware so are, of the amount and how much she lost. And it's painful to know the number. Yeah. 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 Sure. So, like, I'm guessing that's what happened. Uh, I'm not asking anybody to feel bad for her. Uh, I don't. I certainly don't. But legally speaking, it would be better for her to win. That's I think true. for artists. But. I just realized more boring than cards is whether Scarlett Johansson has money or slightly less money. <laughs> yes. You know, she's the exact same age of, as me, and that depresses me every day. That makes me sad every day. Yeah, let's not. That's too much. That's an Icelandic <laughs> path that you're taking us down. She's so much prettier than me, Michael. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, I know you don't really want me here. You want Soren. You couldn't get him. I get it. Wait, what? I want you here. He's pretty. He's the pretty one. I'm saying she's prettier than me, not you. I'm making it about my self-loathing. All right. Do you see what ScarJo's done to us? God damn it, ScarJo. Yeah, by being such an embodiment of unassailable perfection. (laughs) I'm going to bring this back up. Yeah, what's a happy story? Uh, the Die Hard prequel was canceled. That is a very happy story. That really makes me, that legitimately makes me happy. Even if it's just because it was merged with Disney and Disney dropped it from its schedule. 
Uh, I'm still glad it's not happening. I heard that they filmed a whole Die Hard prequel, and then they realized the lead actor was using his German accent the whole time, and they just changed mm-hmm. it to be an Army of the Dead prequel. Oh, what if that was a Hans Gruber? That was Hans fucking Gruber prequel. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, that would be perfect. Yeah. No, it uh, it didn't need to. Like the whole thing about Die Hard was Die Hard's an origin story for John McClane. It's dumb to make anything that takes place before that movie. I wish that's why they canceled it, but they probably just canceled it because they did math. And was like, we need to get rid of this. Well, it's like, what but would like, the grizzled, too old for this shit super cop be like if he was younger? Well, he would be a super cop with no defining characteristics. He would just be right. a good cop. <laughs> but like the, the fundamental point of Die Hard is look at this cop get thrown into an adventure that he never was prepared. That he's for. not cut out for. He can't be yeah. in his prime. It's not the point right. of him. Yeah. So the idea that he had some other crazy adventure before Die Hard kind of negates the point of die hard so yeah i'm glad it's canceled me too i hope i hope it never comes back i hope scarlett johansson somehow profits off of its cancellation yes (laughs) i hope she shorted that movie all right next story i would like to talk about the uh a prequel that should happen this is the new predator movie this is what i thought you were gonna say was the happy news this is great this is the happiest news this is being titled skulls I assume after the Misfits song, and I assume Predator fights the Misfits. Um, But more likely, based on what I'm reading, it's actually a period piece about the first Predator to arrive on Earth. I'm guessing it'll be the origin story to that pistol, that flintlock pistol in Predator 2 that the Predator gives uh, Danny Glover. So you're thinking the age of whaling or like what time period? Yeah. Okay. I'm hoping it's on. I know they covered it in like one of the comics, one of the Predator comics, the history of that flintlock pistol. The age of sale. I just, I want to see it adapted. We've said multiple times on this podcast and others that this is what you should do with Predator. Well, see, unlike like, Die Hard, Predator, Predator's thing is it doesn't matter. <laughs> you could put it anywhere, yes. at any time, as long as there's a predator there. That's what about well, predator. <laughs> also, as long as they're outgunned, like that's yeah. the whole thing. Like an same with Alien is that an Alien movie or a Predator movie, the whole point is that neither of those are neither of them are actually that formidable when you have like army drones and stuff. Um you have to put them in a place where the people have trouble where they're like we don't have any guns or we're trapped so a period piece where they have like stupid old guns and they're fighting a predator perfect that's the best idea yeah i'm almost sad that that's the earliest point in canon that they came to earth i guess they could always write their way around it though because i'd like to see like ancient egyptian predators well okay dinosaur times predators oh yeah for the record um Dude, uh, predators, uh, um, big game hunting dinosaurs. That would roll. Well, for the record, the flintlock thing is not necessarily um, the uh, the 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 first time they've come to Earth. Oh, okay, that's just the that happens in Predator Two to show like, oh, they've been here for a while. Oh, right, right, right. But, th- but there's still a chance for it to be because it all we know is it's going to be a period piece about the first predator on Earth. So it could be, man, just 
slaughtering a family of Neanderthals mercilessly, and they're just that like would be confused, amazing. confused and sad. They don't understand why this is happening to them. I would right. love that. <laughs> oh yeah. Some other things is that this is apparently already almost done filming. Nice. Uh, they just really snuck this up on um, on us. It might be heading straight to Hulu. Although honestly, I'd like to see this in theaters. Um, honestly, the- I know I just said it as a joke, but now I am imagining like Far Cry Primal or like a predator versus a very crafty Neanderthal and a movie with no dialogue whatsoever. Oh, that'd be, be amazing! Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um. The director and writer are kind of unknown. The director did a, a an episode. He did the pilot of The Lost Symbol, yeah. which I don't know if you watched last typecast. No. It's the Dan Brown TV oh, show. Yes, I heard the episode. Yeah. Yeah. He also directed 10 Cloverfield Lane, which is a good mm-hmm. movie ruined good. by being a Cloverfield movie. Yeah, um, does it even, are you saying that the ending itself bothers you or the m- fact that they called it as an oh, afterthought? Oh, no, it was, yeah, it was legitimately its own indie film. Yeah, I don't even mind the ending being out of left field. I think it kind of works, but there was no reason for it to be called Cloverfield Lane, yeah. Yeah, I think Cloverfield's one of the worst movie series because it actively made movies worse by literally making movies worse well the cloverfield paradox is one of the worst goddamn things i've seen in a long time it it's it feels like you ever you ever play a like a made-up game with a child where they keep changing the rules Mm -hmm. like that's what cloverfield feels like where they're like well but but this also in this and so by taking this like legitimately good indie film about people in a bunker and tacking on this like cloverfield bullshit it just like felt like it, you know, like muddied it, and yeah. then the series it's it's it it made a, a like an indie film that could have been remembered just like an installment in a bigger shittier franchise. You know right. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm glad this person's making Predator, so shit, I want to see this. Yeah, I we'll still haven't been bad. to a theater. I need to. I need to go see that Green Knight yeah. boy. Yeah, Green Knight. I'm excited for that. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing that in a few days. Oh, nice. Uh, all right, that's it for news stories. Shall we thank some more people? Sure. Party people? Uh, can I start? Yeah, you can with start. With my patented epic slam for Tux, a.k.a. Sucks. Ooh. Thank you, Tux Epic Slam. Ricky Cilantro, thank you, thank and you. an Epic Slam to you. Epic Slam for Norm from Cheers. Thank you. But a thank you as well. Thank you, Space McNulty. Thank That's you. Right. Only the first one gets an Epic Slam. The rest of you don't yeah. deserve it, which is an Epic you... Slam in and of itself. Oh, shit. Oh, great. It's that guy. Mm. We love you, that guy. And we love Nolan Maton. And we thank, thank you, Nolan. Thank you. We thank you, Vax... Vaccinated, yeah, that's right. Vaccinated man, mm-hmm. Andrew McGuire. Thank you. Thank you, AJ. Thank you. Thank you, Tip Drizzle. Woo! Nice. Thank you to Burrito Mouth. Thank him. Thank you. Thank you to Miss Voidus. Or Mrs. Voidus. Thank you to the ghost of Dave Thomas. Thank you. Thank you to Aaron Burser. Thank you very uh, much. Thank you. thank you to David Knife Boot Henson. 
MBA CPA. Thank you to Christopher Robert Sparts Esquire. Thank you. Thank you to Mackenzie Fuck Shuffling with Willem Dafoe's Confusingly mm, Large mm, Dick mm, mm. Chill. Thank you. Thank you to Vaccinated Jay. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you to Pie Guy. Pie Guy. Pie Guy. I wish they could put the vaccine in a J. Mm-hmm. Let me spark Ooh. up this bone and kill COVID, bruh. Ooh, yeah. You got to do the thing. Michael, you got to do the thing. Oh, Michael, oh you need Michael. prompting. Because otherwise the thing me. doesn't work. Hey, shh, they Michael. can't hear you as long as you speak in that stage whisper. Michael. But I Michael. have a question. What? Um, as surrogate Tom that I feel what? the audience might also benefit from. What? Uh, David, do you have, to wrap up the show here, maybe a movie that deserves more hype? Oh, funny you should ask, because I do. I didn't um, even need to be reminded to remind you of that. I know, thing. you did a great job. Thank you. This, I think everybody's going to see this one a, a, a mile away if they've been paying attention to the internet, because this has gotten somewhat like I was a little aware bit of, of this. It looks yeah. amazing. <laughs> yeah, uh, we got to talk about Phil Tippett's Mad God. Now, Phil Tippett, as you know, uh, uh, famous what di- dinosaur supervisor sure. on Jurassic Park, Dino Wrangler, became a became a meme. Phil Tippett is the person responsible for a lot of the stop motion animation you grew up lo- loving stuff in RoboCop, um, the the motherfucking chessboard in Star Wars, etc. He is a very very famous stop-motion artist. He was originally going to be doing the dinosaur effects in Jurassic Park before CGI. Uh, He's amazing. You love him, even if you don't know his name. And he made a movie, uh, but rather he he started making a movie uh, in the 80s after working on RoboCop 2. And then 20 years later, he was like, oh, yeah. I was making a movie and I was interrupted because of Jurassic Park. So he got the original puppets and sets out of storage and, and he I, continued to make the movie. Well, I think it's important to note he continued at this point 20 years later to get younger artists under him to make it for him under his supervision, right. which is the way you do it 20 years later. You're like, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Let me get some interns in here and wrap this bad boy up. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Mad Dog is described as a paradise lost for the nuclear age, um, unfolding as a corroded diving bell ascends amidst a ruined city, and the assassin emerges from it to explore a labyrinth of bizarre landscapes inhabited by freakish Denzians. Uh, He also called it uh, a world of monsters, mad scientists, and war pigs. So it's very like boomer, like anti-establishment, mm-hmm. like trippy stuff. It's a trip. It's a trip film. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not dismissing it by calling it that. It's when you watch the trailer, you'll know exactly. It looks like a fucking nightmare. It looks like the. It looks like the. It looks that like a movie tool Alice. music video. Yeah. Yeah. That stop motion movie Alice, that German Alice in Wonderland adaptation. Alice, yes. Yeah. Or it looks like a Terry Gilliam type film, uh, but from like the 80s or 90s. So it's, in other words, it looks fucking awesome. 
Uh, yeah, it's hitting and also festivals. really like metal and lots of detail and really upsetting to look at. <laughs> yes, yes, really upsetting. Very oingo boingo. Yes, uh, it's coming out in festivals right now, so I'm guessing someone's going to immediately scoop it up based on the hype that it's getting, uh, and we'll see it on streaming pretty soon. Um, Man, I I'm guessing by the end of the year. I'm guessing we'll. I'm guessing it'll be on streaming like beginning of 2022. That's my guess. Uh, it looks so fucking cool. So everybody, go out, Google Phil Tippett's Mad uh, Mad God, uh, and just Google Phil Tippett if Generally, you haven't. Yeah, yeah. But it's true. Stop motion does have a unique ability to be creepy in its own special way. Yes, and I'm glad I've, I've, there's a few like indie films that are bringing it back, mm-hmm. and I'm glad that the people who have nostalgia for it are making movies now, because there is a place for it, especially if you go back and you watch the, the stop motion test for Jurassic Park that they threw out, because that was like a new technology of stop motion that mm-hmm. actually looked really fucking good, uh, and I want to see more of that. Have you ever seen uh, the Academy Award winning sh- stop motion short Balance? No. The Mad God trailer reminded me of it. It's really great, and I'm going to send it to you as soon as we wrap up here. Oh, please do. <laughs> please do. Uh, but that's it. That's the sode. Nice. Okay. We I'll did send it. send you that link. Send it. Yeah, please. Michael, thank you so much for being my guest co-host. Thank you, man. It's my pleasure and my honor, and I want to apologize for those epic slams. Uh, I had a few root beers at me, and things got, you know... It got a little, it got a little dark, yeah. Things went haywire. Things. I'm glad you, you said know, it. I'm glad you said it. Went a little um, hanky. What can I say? Yeah. Do you want to um, tell people what you've been up to, where people can find you? As I you know, s- yeah, what's going on? As I what's said, I'm doing you? all kinds of shiz, so it's hard to keep straight. Um, but one place, two places, two places you can find out about all of it are on Twitter at Swaim underscore Corp, where I usually keep people abreast of what I'm doing uh, because it's too much to say right now. And if you want to catch all of our Small Beans content, uh, where I host a number of other podcasts about things like this and other things. That's over at patreon.com slash small beans. Nice. And uh, yeah. Dave, have we nice figured have you figured out what Star Trek to pair with our next Futurama? Cause... I saw the email chain and I was gonna I was gonna respond to it soon, I swear. Oh good. Yeah. I'm not sold uh, on the ones I've been pitching, so I don't all know. Right. We'll I'll, I'll I'll give it a I'll give it a think. I've been yeah. like all right. uh kind of kind of uh uh putting that on the back burner when are we recording next monday like oh fuck yeah, yeah okay so okay, that's I'll yeah think about that's it. a show I'll think dave about and it. i do together and that's a hell of a lot of fun so look for that yeah as well. that's that's on the small beans and it's also on our gamefully unemployed it uh, if you go to yeah if you go to patreon.com slash gamefully unemployed uh that's one of the exclusive podcasts on there well not exclusive because it's also on small beans but we do have tom and jeff watch batman and fox Mulder is a maniac uh, we also have a Teespring store, gamefully-unemployed.creator-spring.com. If that's too confusing, just go to www.gamefullyunemployed.com and it'll redirect you there. Uh, we have all sorts of t-shirts on there and posters. Uh, or just Google Teespring art. Gamefully. That's what I do. Yeah, 
yeah, that that's that's fine too. Whatever you know, look, whatever gets you there, or just fucking live your life. It's fine, you know. Don't wear a shirt. Don't Why wear, wear a, shirt? a shirt. Oh my god! Yeah. yeah, don't wear a shirt. What a good idea. Just nip all the time. Yeah, nips out. All right, I guess say say goodbye. Nips out. <laughs> Bye. Our music is produced by Chris Corlew. You can follow him on Twitter at at the Corlew, C-O-R-L-E-W, and find more music at shipwreckedsailor.bandcamp.com. Our artwork is produced by Justin Brown. You can follow him on Twitter at at Justin T. Brown, and find more of his artwork at artnessbyjustinbrown.com and justinbrown.info.